0: Good day to you and welcome to Fascinating. I'm your host Rick from Planet Vulcan. My continuing mission on planet Earth to search for signs of intelligence and to encourage its spread. In a previous installment, I offered some tips to help young listeners along on their quest to achieve higher quality thinking. Continuing in this vein, we will now examine a detail of recent events in Earth's history that illustrates a type of defective thinking that is unfortunately quite widespread among humans, namely the idea that finding somebody to blame when something goes wrong is tantamount to diagnosing what went wrong. My hope is that you will learn to recognize this tactic and see it for what it is. There is no sphere of human activity in which you do not observe this sleight of hand being used. I use the term sleight of hand advisedly because it is clear that many of you do, in fact, understand this tactic for what it is, and cynically use it as a method of diverting attention, because it works. Fascinating. In this essay, senior contributing editor Prego De Nada trains his spyglass on the worldwide financial crisis of 2008 as an illustration of how the blaming tactic works. If you will recall, the commonly accepted explanation for the crisis was, and is, that the root cause of the crisis was greedy bankers. Prego writes, First, some background. In 1984, the Continental Illinois Bank failed due to a combination of sloppy management, bad luck, and outright fraud. Federal banking regulators stepped in and, employing for the first time the doctrine of too-big-to-fail, kept the bank on life support and paid not only those whose deposits were guaranteed, but also paid off creditors who would have lost their investments but for this intervention. Seven years later, they pulled the plug, and the failure of the bank became official. The too-big-to-fail doctrine states that the failure of a big financial institution could create ripple effects throughout the financial system that would be very damaging, if not catastrophic. This belief still dominates, even though it's difficult to imagine a worse catastrophe than the one that occurred anyway under this regulatory regime. Those who were predisposed to believe in regulation on general principles seized upon this doctrine with great enthusiasm, recognizing that it supported their desire for extending and expanding their authority. Too-big-to-fail has been a fixture on the financial regulatory scene ever since. A small but largely ignored minority of observers immediately voiced concerns about the wisdom of assuring the managers of financial institutions that regulators would not allow them to fail, recognizing that putting anyone into a position of heads I win, tails the taxpayer loses, would incentivize risk-taking beyond the range of what a prudent manager would do if failure were still a prospect. Regulators and their supporters poo-pooed these concerns, assuring everyone that they were up to the task of keeping the financial system safe by means of strict control over the behavior of financial market participants. Then came the crisis of 2008, and it suddenly came to light that, surprise, surprise, financial market participants had been making risky investments on a massive scale, and that these investments had tanked. Financial markets froze as trust evaporated. Nobody wanted to offer credit without a reasonable expectation of getting their money back. As a substitute for trust, the Federal Reserve flooded the markets with sufficient liquidity so that funds would continue to flow. This colossal regulatory failure was spun by politicians and the sycophantic press as a market failure. And the success of the spin was due to being able to attach blame to people in the banking industry for being greedy. Very few people saw a need to look any deeper than that for an explanation. Not only were regulators able to avoid accountability for the mess they had created, by employing the tactic of assigning blame, but they also used the crisis as an excuse to expand their regulatory authority. Never let a good crisis go to waste, as the saying goes. Once again, we have witnessed the pernicious effects of the poor understanding of the principles of emergent order and self-regulation amongst members of the voting public in the U.S. and their elected representatives. An indispensable element of market discipline is the prospect of failure. Application of the too-big-to-fail doctrine short-circuited this natural discipline, as was immediately evident to those who understood emergent order. Politicians and the press went so far as to portray the concept of self-regulation, which actually means regulation of market participants by market forces, as regulation by market participants of themselves, like putting the fox to guard the henhouse. It's impossible to say whether those who promoted and continue to promote this idea are stupid, or whether they just think we are. Newsflash. Nothing has been resolved. The too-big-to-fail policy is still in place. Regulators are still telling us that there is no reason to worry because they are being tough on bankers, and are working hard to bring other institutions that are large enough to create systemic risk under their authority. We need to understand that even if one believes that regulation can be effective, regulation never occurs without both direct and indirect costs do we really want such a tight cocoon of requirements and prohibitions that those being regulated have no room left to maneuver? I believe that regulators getting tough has been and will continue to be both damaging and ineffective, and it's only a matter of time before bankers abruptly and inexplicably become greedy again. I see a parallel between the behavior of the bankers and the behavior of physerum, an organism I described in a previous essay. Also known as slime mold, physerum is an agglomeration of single celled organism, and it lacks even a rudimentary nervous system. It is able to move by contracting its outer membrane, which squishes the cytoplasm in the direction that it somehow knows to be the right direction. It forages and does other marvelous things in a seemingly intelligent manner. Scientists have been conducting experiments to study and try to explain the behavior of slime mold. Many of these experiments involved sprinkling oat flakes around a concentration of Ficerum and observing foraging behavior. The slime mold inevitably finds the oat flakes and does so efficiently. Think of bankers as the cells in the superorganism called the financial market. Bankers collectively respond to incentives, including the incentives regulators put in place, and this response results in an analog of FISERM's foraging behavior. I predict bankers will eventually find more paths to the free goodies we have created with the too-big-to-fail policy just like slime mold finds the oat flakes. If you sprinkle the oat flakes around, don't be surprised when the slime mold finds it. And don't be surprised if the regulators try to blame the slime mold. Thanks to Prego for this essay. Prego is being modest, by the way. He neglected to mention that he predicted massive regulatory failure as the eventual outcome of, of the too-big-to-fail policy back in 1984. Earthlings are a fascinating species, and it's surprising to us how well things actually function on your planet, in spite of the things that go on. Be sure to have a listen to the next installment. Please provide feedback to these podcasts if you are so inclined. You may contact me by sending an email to Senior Contributing Editor Prego Denata pregodenada at gmail.com. Live long and prosper.